You heard you could save big when you bundle home and auto with Progressive, so you went online to check it out. But then you saw a link for a survey about which type of bread you are. And now you're on question 17, barely scratching the surface of your bread identity. You always thought of yourself as a brioche, but are you actually more of a pumpernickel? Ah, yes. They said it was easy to save money bundling with Progressive, but they forgot about the rest of the Internet. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. Kunal, it feels amazing to be back in the studio. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? Yeah, I think I really missed saying this whole uh, welcome link out loud. So, <laughs> guys, I'm going to be like extra enthusiastic on the podcast today. I warned you all. So, you mean you're going to be extra loud and extra enthusiastic. So, our listeners are in for a treat. But uh, you're right, it actually feels so good to be back. It's been a while. I hope you guys are all doing well. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll all know from our Facebook page and Twitter handles that we were in Spain. We were attending the Spanish Grand Prix as accredited journalists. And oh my God, guys, it was amazing. And I can't wait to share my experiences with all of you. Well, to me, it felt like going back home. Of course, it did. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, uh, some more good news for you all. We have Nico Hulkenberg, Romain Grosjean, Kevin Magnussen and Marcus Ericsson all on our show later next week. And if, in fact, if you all haven't already, please do subscribe to us, uh, to the Inside Line Formula One podcast on iTunes, on Audioboom. And we promise to give you your weekly dose of Formula One humor. Oof, that was a very long <laughs> sentence. <laughs> I'm going to add to that. We are also on Spotify and Savan and Book My Show, Jukebox, and pretty much every audio streaming platform in the world. So, just search for us and you'll find us because we have some amazing Formula One drivers on our show in the next couple of weeks. But uh, in this week's episode, we will definitely share our experiences from the paddock of the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, and of course, news, views, fun stories, shoeies, everything else from the world <laughs> of Formula One. But Kunal, first things first. So I follow you on Twitter and uh, I've been noticing that you've been endlessly tweeting that the Monaco Grand Prix wasn't boring for you. I'm not sure if you're like a freak anomaly or you watched like the 1996 edition instead of the 2018 edition. <laughs> well, I did watch the 2018 Monaco Grand Prix. Listen, let me put it this way. Daniel Ricciardo said last month or the month before that he does not win boring races. So that's the very first reason why Monaco wasn't boring in the first place. The second reason is, of course, we didn't know if Daniel Ricciardo is going to win. In fact, no one knew, not even Renault, not even Red Bull, not even Ricciardo himself. And I believe everyone kept waiting to see if his engine would hold up or if it would blow up, and that suspense kept me glued on. And then, of course, there was Verstappen's charge through the field, and we know his overtaking masterclass that we all love to uh, watch. But this time, I was actually uh, glued on to see if Verstappen would crash again in the race. So that was another suspense that kept me glued on. Yeah, well, for me, the suspense was mainly whether the safety car would make an appearance and create chaos. And that obviously kept me interested. It wasn't one of the most awesome races we've seen. And we've had plenty of those this season. But I guess that's Monaco for us. Yes, and uh, I know that Bahrain, Baku and China offered edge of seat action. But Monaco had a different narrative, the narrative of suspense. 
And maybe it was more boring for the drivers than it was for the fans. Because let's remember, for the drivers, it's all about their car and their race. For the fans, it's about 20 cars and 20 drivers and their races. And uh, maybe this is also proof that we shouldn't take the drivers too seriously all the time. The bigger story for me from Monaco. So apparently Lewis Hamilton has spoken to Prince Albert uh, to help improve the Monaco Grand Prix by figuring out a new circuit layout, if at all. And I found this hilarious for two reasons. Firstly, we know that Lewis Hamilton has, you know, uh, branched out from being just a Formula One driver and now he's like designing clothes and now he wants to design race circuits, including uh, the new one that's coming up in, in uh, Miami. Miami. Yeah. yeah. And I found it hilarious because we know how Lewis Hamilton loves to make like famous friends. And I was wondering if we're going to soon see Prince Albert like partying with Lewis Hamilton and his like <laughs> gang of cool people. But <laughs> Well, he already put up a picture with a certain monarch on his Twitter handle or Instagram a few days ago. So it's probably warming up to those things. I have to ask like everyone else who's been like following Lewis Hamilton and like asking him the same question. Lewis, why weren't you at the royal wedding? <laughs> like poor guy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, to me, as long as we do not lose Monaco, I don't mind whatever change is being incorporated by whoever to make the race more interesting. And I'll see, I'll put it this way. It is the crown jewel. Let's not lose it. Let's just polish it up a little. <laughs> I just remembered this really funny incident when the Jaguar cars, like many years ago, had put like a an actual jewel on their car and they actually lost it in the streets <laughs> of Monaco. Anyway. Good so PR story for Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Daniel Ricciardo, the hottest property in the driver market today. And I think his two wins on merit this season will definitely make everyone sit up and take notice, even if they've been like blinded by Max Verstappen all this time. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's not just super fast, but he's super cool. And that's amazing. Uh, guys, you know, in fact, when I entered the paddock uh, in Spain on race day, and uh, coincidentally, uh, he also entered right beside me. And he was there, you know, smiling, big smile, posing for selfies, signing autographs. And I actually thought that, you know, since it was race day, drivers would be like in their zone and, you know, just like very touch me not types. But he was right there with all the fans and it was so warm to see how uh, nice he was, you know. He still is nice, <laughs> despite all his wins and all the talent and stuff. But I think the one team that would have sat up and taken notice all the more of Daniel Ricciardo is Red Bull Racing themselves. Now, Verstappen's crash tap and ways uh, have only brought more limelight onto Ricciardo and the good work that he's done and the talent that he, of course, possesses. And uh, I would still say, and I've written about it endlessly, that Max Verstappen is more long-term. Daniel Ricciardo is delivering the goods today. And uh, Ricciardo is more bankable when it comes to launching and sustaining a season-long championship challenge. And maybe that's what Red Bull Racing know and that's what they need. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. And uh, our top three drivers in the uh, championship, they have two wins each. I don't think, uh, obviously, that this is a year that Ricardo can challenge for, you know, the top prize. But next year, I think we're all eager to see where he goes and where things go in general. <laughs> And uh, Red Bull Racing already knows that Ricardo's commitment is directly related to the engine that they can have in 2019. So I think it's important to see what Honda can bring to Canada and then how the other pieces of the puzzle fall into place. And yes, that also means what Renault bring to Canada. Apparently, everyone is bringing upgrades to Canada, especially on the engine side. And uh, frankly, I don't think Red Bull Racing would risk Honda and go down the McLaren way just to keep 
a Daniel Ricardo, but I could be wrong. Let's see. But that reminds me from 2021, the dreaded, the expensive and the headache giving MGUH has been dropped from Formula One, a move that Mercedes actually labeled as a step back. But I must also say that hats off to Mercedes. So they said that they're willing to help a new engine supplier come up to pace. I wonder if they still consider Honda as new to Formula One. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just like many still consider Max Verstappen as new to Formula One, let's remember both of these brands, Verstappen and Honda, made their debuts in Formula One in 2015. Now, well, of course, in Honda's case, it was more of a return. But you get my point, guys. (laughs) For yours, Verstappen, it was a return. (laughs) She's like at all the races with Max. But anyway, the good part about 2021 is that the quit threats have almost gone away. Almost. I mean, Ferrari keep hinting at them, but I guess that's where the leverage also is. (laughs) And uh, I think for now, all seems to be in order and the teams seem to be working towards the collective future of Formula One. So, good sign, guys. Thank you. (laughs) The other good sign could be the entry of Miami. Now, it is rumoured that with Miami and even Hockenheim, Formula One is attempting a new business model, that of taking up the risk of hosting the Grand Prix themselves. So, this means that Formula One needs to really believe in the product of Formula One because they're suddenly trying to change the the core way that the sport has made money. Now, uh, what is the core way that the sport has made money? So up until now, Formula One would charge a hosting fee from the promoter and the promoter would put the race together uh, based on the sports guidelines. And uh, whether the race was popular or not, Formula One would still make money from those hosting fees, even if the promoter would end up making losses. So it was one of those really skewed deals that Formula One made pots and pots of money from. Yeah. And uh, I read how Hockenheim is now attempting to put together a similar deal. So obviously it's risky stuff for Formula One, but I guess they'll never know till they try it and maybe burn their fingers once. (laughs) Well, uh, it's high risk, high reward and also higher losses. Uh, The fun part is that more than Liberty Media, it would actually be the teams that get a lesser payout if such arrangements do not work as intended. (laughs) I'm sure a certain Mr. Ecclestone will just be looking at them like, oh, I told you guys so. (laughs) But that's so strange. So Liberty Media has to plan all these things to grow the sport. If those things fail, then it's the teams that get impacted more. So of course, Liberty doesn't get revenues, etc., etc. But we know how precarious pretty much 80% of the grid is anyway. It kind of sucks. Oh, so uh, another piece of news. So Force India's test driver, Nicholas Latifi's father, has invested £200 million in McLaren. And I I mean, I'm sure it's like big delight at McLaren. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? Like, that's a lot of money. And I think it's finally some good news coming their way. It's not a sponsorship. This is an investment in McLaren's business. So... Someone believes in McLaren. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the media, of course, sprang into action. They said Latifi to drive for McLaren. How soon? If soon? Whatever. But can you imagine Force India's plight? Because it's their own driver's family that's gone and invested money in a rival team. And this is when Force India are in absolute need of money themselves. Now, just before we got into the studio, there was news that Vijay Malia has actually resigned as a managing director of Force India. However, he continues to stay as an equal shareholder as the Saharas. And he has nominated his son Siddhartha Malia as the managing director. So frankly, nothing changes. Force India still remains in the Malia family. Yeah, I wish my father would (laughs) nominate me to be on the board of a Formula One team, (laughs) Kunal. 
But you know, this makes me wonder: Is this the right time to invest in a Formula One team? Are the dark days of being a team owner coming to an end, especially for uh, the midfield teams? Are they coming to an end? And uh, you know, with these adjusted earnings from the sport that are expected soon, the cost cap, etc., etc., will owning a Formula One team finally be about owning a business and not just about the passion? And uh, I'm really eager to see if investments get attracted towards Formula One teams in the next two or three years. Yeah, and I'm also sure that the terms of the so-called Concord Agreement, if they're still calling it that, will be negotiated much before 2021 because Formula One will want to know who is dropping out, if at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, apart from their quit tests, Ferrari need to drop their halo-mounted mirrors. We saw them in Spain, and we of course saw them in Monaco. And while they made all the changes to make sure the mounted mirrors are legal, let's put it this way: that the cars have gone from looking bad to worse. But Ferrari's hospitality in Spain was absolutely top-notch. Their media sessions were really well conducted, and they served some amazing Italian coffee. And I am still in awe of the fact that I got to interact super closely with Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> <laughs> I think all by I think it's time you get used to it because we could end up going to more races this season and probably the next few seasons. Yeah, says the guy who's been in the paddock of like five hundred races. Well. <laughs> <laughs> So more news. Brendan Hartley could be replaced, and I'm just wondering who the hell Red Bull Racing will put in the car. Uh, Sebastian Buemi is a name that comes up each time there's a vacancy, but I really wonder why he should return to Formula One unless it is with Red Bull Racing, because you know I think he's more than done his time with uh, Toro Rosso and really <laughs> proven himself wherever he can. Yes, the other name that did the rounds was of Felix Rosenquist, who was on our podcast incidentally last month or something, and uh, I would love to see Rosenquist. Do the whole reverse from Formula E to Formula One because the trend usually is that you retire from Formula One and then drive Formula E. So if Rosenquist debuts with Toro Rosso, it's going to be really cool. It's a long shot, and uh, I think also Honda's proteges uh, are still too inexperienced to make the jump to Formula One. But Kunal, this is also Formula One, and I'm just wondering that in this world of U-turns. Could Toro Rosso actually re-sign Danny Kivat? <laughs> Bring Danny Kivat <laughs> back? I don't know. I'm sure that won't happen again, though. Poor Danny Kivat. I think Kivat's biggest mistake is that he isn't Max Verstappen. And although I don't think Red Bull Racing should demote Max Verstappen ever, we just wrote about it, guys, uh, last last evening. So you can check this post on my blog as well. And I say this because he is Max Verstappen. Let's be patient. Let's give him room, and I believe he is going to be fine. Kunal, that's very ironic because I don't think Max Verstappen gives anyone else room. <laughs> <laughs> we should ask Daniel Ricciardo about Azerbaijan the next time we meet him. But <laughs> yeah, but guys, so after years of confusing us, and I think mostly for their own like humor, Pirelli will finally simplify the names of tire compounds in 2019. And we will only have the hard, the medium, and the soft tires thrown in, and we will not have the complexity of what and how soft each tire is or isn't. So, guys, we can focus on the. Yeah, and this this piece of news has come just when I was betting that Pirelli would introduce a hyper mega super ultra soft 
in 2019. Well, I'm going to lose some money, I think. But <laughs> yeah, I started suspecting after a while that they're just introducing new tires so that they can have like this rainbow of different colored tires and make it look pretty outside their team motorhome in the paddock. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one really cares about them. <laughs> well, I am in favor of everything that simplifies the sport for the fans. So let's keep the focus on the racing guys. And which brings me to the last part of our episode. Are Ferrari cheating? The FIA are running extra software and hardware and sensors on the Ferrari since the last few races, trying to be convinced about their new battery system, one that actually treats two batteries as ones or something as confusing as that. I think in Ferrari's case, somehow their reputation just precedes them. If Ferrari innovates, it's almost always assumed that they're cheating. Whereas if Mercedes do the same, it's like path breaking and revolutionary and all of that. <laughs> Honestly, I will just go with whatever the FIA says on this. But here's the funny part. So when Charlie Whiting was doing the explanations to the media a couple of days ago, he too found the whole issue very technical to talk about and he was struggling to offer his own clarifications. So. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> but Kunal, I am not letting you end this episode without our ever popular and smashing What Toto Wolf Said This Week section. But you know, I think given our absence over the past like few weeks, maybe for this week we should just call it the What Toto Wolf Said This Month <laughs> section. <laughs> So, so Toro Wolf said that hosting fees are unsustainable and that basically uh, supports Liberty Media's new approach towards Grand Prix. Anyway, Wolf said that reworking them only makes sense. And this is obviously coming from a man who is resisting to cut down on Mercedes's expenses of running its Formula One operations. Ouch. So it's all super, super ironic, but I'll park <laughs> that there for now. And since we are speaking about the outspoken there's a really outspoken Formula 2 driver out there and uh, his name is Artem Markelov. He's a phenomenal driver. I've seen him like go from the back of the grid to the podium. He's a Renault Junior driver and he actually labeled Helmut Marko as someone who ruins drivers' careers. Wow. All of this before he's even made it to Formula 1. So let's hope that Markelov makes it to Formula 1 one day soon and doesn't become the PR robot that a lot of other drivers end up becoming. So, thank you so much for listening in, guys. It's been fun to record our episode after a few weeks of being absent. But uh, we have got six races in the next eight weeks, and you will hear us as often as each of those races. So, we'll see you next week. See you. See you.